0: Hello there, everyone. Welcome to Digital Nomad Mastery, where we teach you how to make money while traveling the world. And speaking of traveling the world, we're here in Manila, Philippines. And one of the things I love to do is show people that everyone can travel regardless of age, regardless of gender, regardless of ethnicity, nationality, regardless of passport, even regardless of income. You can figure out a way. And uh, we haven't covered the area of accessible travel too much in the show. So one of the things I want to do is also show that travel is uh, accessible to everyone. Uh, so we're going to be covering accessible travel here on a show with a guest Sylvia. Sylvia is the founder of Spin the Globe on Wheels. She has uh, She's a mom boy. So she has two sons, 10 and 8. And she uh, she has, um, I'm, I'm going to let her share about the, the, you know, how she got in the wheelchair and, uh, you know, like how she actually d- uh, decided to make travel, her big passion. Uh, so let's get the show on the road here. Sylvia, how are you doing today?
1: I'm wonderful. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Thank you for being on. So Sylvia, one of the things we love to do on our show is to get to know our guest story. So why don't you trace it back? Was travel in your genes? Was it from your childhood? Was it, uh, you know, when you became a young adult? Tell us a little bit about your trajectory in in regards to travel.
1: Yeah, I started traveling when I was very, very young. My parents didn't like flying, uh, so we used to drive all up and down the country to visit friends and family up in Canada, and I live in Florida. So by the time I was like five, 10 years old, I had already visited about 22 states. uh, And I had been on cruises throughout the Caribbean, Canada several times, so I really started loving travel at a young age because of my parents. Uh, Then I joined the Air Force and I was in the Air Force for eight years and uh, I had a good income and I had a lot of, uh, I had a good amount of vacation time. So I started traveling by myself in my 20s and that's when I started visiting Europe. Uh, I visited a couple of countries in Latin America as part of my job duties and really the travel thing, it's been going on for almost my whole life. (laughs)
0: So uh, tell us about, uh, you know, I know it's a little bit sensitive, but tell us about how did you end up in the wheelchair and then how has that affected your journey uh, from being traveling, being in the Air Force and now traveling as an accessible traveler?
1: Sure. Uh, I was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis in 2005 when I was on active duty. So I was medically retired from the Air Force and I kept working. I kept working as a consultant and that started to, I was still traveling some, but early on after my MS diagnosis, I was still walking a little bit. Then about five, well, I I should say about seven years ago, I had to start using a walker and learning how to travel with that. And fortunately my disability progression has been slow. So I've had time to accommodate for that. Uh, I started using the scooter and then a power wheelchair full-time about five years ago. So I started to learn how to travel with the scooter And I started doing that domestically, which was a lot easier, flying in the United States where we have laws regarding disability and accommodation. But then after I got divorced three years ago, my children don't live with me full time only during the summer. So I found that all of a sudden, I have a lot more free time because I work from home. I can actually work from anywhere in the world. So I felt it was a good time to recover from that and start renewing my passion for travel. So my first international trip uh, as a person who can't walk and with my scooter was to Dubai because I figure, you know, go big or go home, right? (laughs) And after flying 16 hours nonstop to visit some friends who were living in Dubai and managing that successfully really helped me overcome so many of my fears when it came to not only traveling by myself again, but traveling without being able to walk and everything just kind of snowballed from there within the within a few months I went to Alaska then a few months after that I went to Iceland a couple months after that I went to Australia and uh yeah it's just been uh, it's been snowballing ever since
0: that is incredible firstly congratulations I just want to give you a acknowledgement the fact that you've been able to travel so prolifically around the world despite or in spite or even like with the wheelchair so congratulations okay. there thank you So in terms of like uh, traveling, uh, you know, you did your first trip to Dubai. Amazing country, amazing city. A lot of people think it's a country, but amazing city in the United Arab Emirates. Uh, I had a chance to go there last year. Of course, like you said, go big or go home. Well, Dubai (laughs) goes big. It goes tall. It goes large. It goes. (laughs) goes So in terms of you heading over there, like how was that first travel experience in terms of both the good, the bad and everything in between?
1: sure well because of what i the nature of what i do people with disabilities specifically people with mobility limitations who have to travel with equipment and with chairs and medical stuff or whatever we have to do at least four times five times as much research as people who don't have to worry about those things so i want travel to be as easy an experience for me as possible and now as a travel agent with my own agency i want it to be as easy for my clients as possible so I spent months researching everything. My friends who lived over there, I asked them tons of questions about accessibility, which it was a it was a learning experience for them because they're fully able-bodied and they had never thought about the things that I needed to know. Can I get onto the sidewalks? Uh, can I get into the restaurants? Can I go to the top of the Burj Khalifa? Can I do this? So they helped me do a lot of the research. Uh, just getting a taxi from the airport to where they lived, little things that, Other people maybe don't think about when they travel, but those are things that I have to think about. So on top of the physical logistics, I also need to be mentally prepared for the people because different cultures, different countries have different perceptions of people with disabilities. The Middle East is challenging. Uh, Asia is challenging because of cultural beliefs, but uh, Dubai was interesting because 25, only 25% of the people who live in the Emirates are actually Emiratis, right, Are, are Arabs, whereas 75% of the population are people from generally South Asia, uh, many from the Philippines, workers who come to do work in Dubai. And those were the ones that were staring and looking at me very strangely because it's not a common Asian thing for people with disabilities to be out in public. Whereas the Emiratis couldn't have cared less. I saw a lot of Emirati elders and seniors and everything in in manual wheelchairs and it wasn't a big deal. So mostly I had to mentally prepare myself for how I would be seen or stared at or uh, approached. And it actually wasn't, wasn't that bad. I had a lot of people asking me where I bought my electric scooter because apparently electric scooters are not common in Dubai. So it was interesting, but overall it was a really, really positive experience. And I saw some incredible things and I did go to the top of the Burj Khalifa. So that was neat.
0: Yes, congratulations. That Burj Khalifa view is something to behold. Um, it definitely takes yeah. your breath away, literally. So, yeah, uh, congratulations there. So, after you got, uh, after you did Dubai, you you obviously figured out, oh, it's not as hard as I thought, or maybe you maybe you also thought it was hard, but I'm going to do it anyway. So, you ended up going to Iceland and Australia. Tell us about, uh, has it got easier? Have you learned lessons in terms of, like, what to do differently? Walk us through that journey in terms of that first trip, which is probably the hardest, to all yeah. the quid trips
1: Well after a few times you develop a routine and it's that's standard for anybody with mobility challenges because and especially because I travel alone for the most part I have a limited amount of I have two hands <laughs> so I only have so many things that I can carry and load on my scooter my wheel my uh, suitcase has to have four wheels and can only be a certain size so I have developed over time a routine so everything has its place. And because I live in Orlando and I use the airport, I know, actually, it's kind of funny that you know that you travel way too much when most of the people at the gates, especially at different airlines, know you by name, that the TSA people and the ramp crew are like, hey, Sylvia, good to see you again. So you just develop this routine for doing things. Now, that being said, I have only so many things that I can control that I know what to expect from airlines from my airport. But when I go to a new place, that's a that's a crapshoot. You know, you don't know what's going to happen. Even if a hotel tells me that it's accessible, I like do the sign of the cross before I go in through the door because I have no idea what's waiting for me. And my main priorities is can I sleep safely? Can I meaning like can I get into the bed and can I shower and can I use the toilet? Those are the most those are the basic needs. And a lot of times I don't know if that's going to happen. Most of the times I can manage because I'm flexible, but sometimes it's really, really difficult. So I can't say that it gets easier because sometimes it's really easy and sometimes it's really hard. Uh, But the mentality that you have to have as a person who's traveling with a disability is that you have to be flexible and you have to be adaptable. Because if you expect everything in other countries to be the same way it is in your home country or in the United States, you're just setting yourself up for disappointment. Uh, So yes, I have certain things that I do every time I travel, but I also have a sense of adventure and I try to keep my fears in check as much as I can, because fortunately I find that 99% of the people that I deal with in the hospitality sector and just in public in general, anywhere in the world, people are generally kind and they're generally helpful and they want me to succeed in my travel objectives, whether it's just getting over a little bump on the sidewalk or putting something in my hotel room or taking something out of my hotel room to make my stay more comfortable. So uh, as cynical as I am, travel like this has renewed a little bit my faith in humanity. (laughs)
0: Well, yeah, travel does that generally, but I'm sure it gets accentuated in your case because you're seeing and needing more help, so I can just imagine that has definitely solidified your faith in humanity. So I've already given you a double congratulations. I'm going to give you a triple one because you have just recently won the Bronze Award from the Society of American Travel Writers. Uh, Onika Raymond, uh, you know, common friend of ours, won the gold. Silver was Amanda Williams, and you, my friend, were a Bronze Award winner. That's phenomenal, considering the a vast number in the thousands of writers in America maybe even more than that but uh, you know just the fact that you were in the top three was phenomenal so congratulations there okay. uh, tell us about this blog um, spin the globe on wheels uh, when did you start what are the topics and themes you're writing about
1: Sure. Well, I started spin the globe and spin the globe on wheels that's my that's my Facebook address, but the blog is spin the globe and I was mentioning before how uh I started traveling and doing this travel for about a year or so and then I've been a professional writer for 13 years. My main career, my primary career for the last 13 years has been writing about the drug war in Mexico and on border security. And I'm an analyst, like I I know how to study and research and pick apart things and that's really helped me with the research I have to do for my travels. So after a year of finally kind of, pardon the pun, getting my feet under me with regards to international travel, I said, why am I not writing about this? And when I started doing my research for trips, I came across other accessible travel blogs that had been out there for a couple of years. And I said, well, you know what, if they can do this, why can't I? So I started Spin the Globe and I said, what I'm going to do is just start putting out information from a firsthand perspective of what my experiences are like in all these different places that I'm traveling, because I want to inspire other wheelchair users to not only travel to these places that are accessible around the world, but also give them tips on things that they should ask about or look out for. Anything from a review of a hotel, is the bed too high? Can you, is the toilet too low? Or is the Eiffel Tower wheelchair accessible? Can you go to the Colosseum in Rome? So uh, over the last two years, my blog will have its two-year anniversary in late November of this year. Uh, So it's been a collection of X number of wheelchair accessible things to do in X city to personal stories of problems with accessible parking to uh, how to deal with airlines and prevent damage to your uh, wheelchairs and just general fun things. Every I just did a post on uh, 15 signs that you're a wheelchair travel addict. The things that people ask me the most about what it's like to be a solo female wheelchair traveler to the top 10 weirdest things that happened to me while I was traveling last year. So uh, I was very, very flattered that in the judges notes for my award, the judges said that my joy and humor come out in my posts. And that really made me feel good because I love to travel. I'm happy when I do. And even when bad things happen, you kind of have to laugh because you can easily get into the mindset of, wow, this really sucks. What am I going to do? And that can ruin your whole vacation. And if something bad happens only two days into a one week trip, And I've spent all this money and flown all this way. You know, I don't want to have my trip ruined because I let something get to me. So I do laugh over certain things. I get angry at some things too, but I like to share that with my audience because the vast majority of my readers can totally relate, or at least I help them understand what they will come across if they decide to travel so that they're prepared.
0: Well, you know, those articles, I'm actually uh, going to have a link to those below because uh, I would have loved to ask all these questions, but hey, I don't need to because people can just read about yeah. <laughs> it. Uh, so uh, because you're quite uh, well versed in this, you've been researching this, you're talking to other accessible travelers, what do you feel are the main issues that are facing accessible travelers in this day and age? You know, here we are at the end of 2018.
1: Sure. Uh, a couple of things. First is the definition of accessibility. And what means accessible to me is a totally different definition for somebody who works at a bed and breakfast in the middle of Austria. Uh, It's funny because this this is a common theme among wheelchair travelers that sometimes we'll hear when we make a phone call to find out if a place is accessible. They'll say, oh yeah, it's accessible. It's only got one step. And we're like, you know, scratching our heads like, oh, it's only got one step, you know, great. Uh, So that's that's part of the problem is that the vast majority of hotel managers, uh, hotel interior designers, people who put these things together are not wheelchair users themselves. And they don't want to spend the money to hire a wheelchair user or an accessibility consultant like me to bring them in for just a couple of hours and wheel them through their property to tell them, hey, you know what, that grab bar that you put there, that's completely useless, or you put it here and it blocks my ability to transfer onto the toilet seat, or this bench is all the way across the shower from the the water control, so I can't turn on the water from my seated position. These are little things that just because you look at it and you go, oh, there's a grab bar, it's accessible. No, it's not. So that difference in understanding of accessibility is one of our biggest challenges. And I would say probably the second biggest challenge is that we as a minority, we're the largest minority group in the world, certainly the largest minority group in the United States, but we are also the most invisible because we are not as vocal as other minority groups. So many times it's not that people Hate us, or they do actively discriminate us, but not as much as maybe other minority groups. But they don't think about us, so it's 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 almost worse because they, uh, for instance, if you make modifications or if you have your your furniture set up, let's say in a restaurant, and then you put you stack up kids high chairs in a corner by the bathroom, and I can't get in the bathroom because I can't open the door. Well, the manager will come over and say, "Oh, let me move that for you." I'm so sorry, I didn't think about that. Like, that's the common phrase is, oh, I didn't think about that. I'm like, no, you didn't think about us. So many times it's just they don't think that wheelchair users will come into their establishment or they don't think that by putting the utensils or the uh, ketchup or whatever on the counter in the restaurant pushed all the way back against the wall, they're not thinking that, oh, a person who comes up here in a wheelchair can't lean over and reach it. There's no malice involved. They're not thinking, oh, we don't care about wheelchair users. It's just that they don't think that we will be patrons or they just don't think about us. So, by me traveling, by other wheelchair users just being out and about in the community, which is often a challenge in and of itself, it helps us be more visible and starts to help people think about us and go, oh, you know, maybe I should do this or maybe I should do that, which will take 30 seconds of my time to make sure that things are a little bit easier for wheelchair users or more convenient uh so i would say those are the two biggest challenges that i come across
0: yeah thank you for sharing those uh, because i I definitely think the the people who do make those quote-unquote mistakes and just aren't aware of it or haven't thought it through and uh, i kind of feel bad for them quote-unquote in a way because uh they probably feel ashamed and they feel this guilt like oh you know like oh how can i be so stupid etc so I You're forgiven, whoever said it, (laughs) forgive you. So in terms of the future, where do you feel that accessible travel is going? So I think, you know, these issues you brought up, like, uh, do you feel it's going to head in the right direction, in the wrong direction, no direction? Where is the future of accessible travel?
1: Sure. Well, I've been a travel agent for just over a year. And fortunately, I'm in several different groups on social media. and, And I have my host agency where I have the opportunity to interact with Uh, hundreds of uh, other travel agents around the world. And they are finally starting, just the travel industry in general is finally starting to pay attention to the enormous market that we represent. On an annual basis, people with disabilities spend $17.3 billion every year just on travel. And the amount of, and in, in the United Kingdom, they actually have a term for it. They call it the purple pound. Uh, which is the spending power of people with disabilities. And you see advances more in, for instance, in the cruise line industry, Uh, you have a lot of seniors because a lot of times you think somebody with a disability and you automatically assume somebody with a chronic illness or a disease in a wheelchair. Well, the vast majority of people who are using mobility aids aren't people who are sick or ill or have some kind of issue like that, they're seniors. And with the baby boomers, the senior population, especially in the United States, is exploding and they have money. They are retired and they are having problems walking and moving around. So because of that and because we're starting to be more vocal, we're starting to travel more as accessibility very slowly improves, we're starting to be more visible. And the travel industry is starting to realize the power that we have as a market. So that is my niche as a travel agent is accessible travel. 95% of my clients are wheelchair users. And I'm starting to notice it a little bit more by getting out there. I'm also in a position to work directly with cruise lines to uh, help them understand what our needs are. I take tours of cruise ships, and I'm able to point out to them that, hey, this works really, really great. Hey, maybe you could adjust this a little bit to make it easier. And I do the same thing when I travel in hotels. Last year, I spent 129 nights in hotel rooms, and I probably spoke to managers in at least half of those hotel rooms. So even if I can change the perception of just one hotel at a time, then hopefully that will kind of help a a domino effect down the way. So I think that they're realizing the power of the market. They're hopefully slowly starting to understand as we travel more and provide more feedback, what our needs are and how the travel industry can better help us spend that money and, and travel around the world.
0: Awesome. Yeah, looking forward to seeing, uh, you know, the, what, what the future holds for accessible travel, a much needed area of improvement. Uh, so you are a travel agent, as you mentioned, and you do help uh, other accessible travelers see this amazing world we all live in. Uh, so tell us about uh, how that works. Do uh, you do tours? Do you book uh, everything for them? Like uh, you give advice, recommendations? Tell us about your process.
1: Sure. Well, I try to do for other wheelchair users and technically anybody. I I can make arrangements for anyone. I just specialize with wheelchair users. I try to do for them what I do for myself. Uh, I can help travelers book accessible hotel rooms. I love booking cruises. Cruises are fantastic. And also accessible tours and transportation. So, uh, whether it's transfers between their hotels and the their airports, for example. And I'm very lucky that I've had the privilege of working with n- at least two dozen different accessible tour companies around the world. So let's say, for instance, a client wants to go to actually I have clients that are leaving in a couple of days who are going to Italy and they're doing a two week trip through uh, Rome and Florence. So I have accessible tour providers that I have personally worked with and use that I work in conjunction with them and partner up with them to provide those accessible services to my clients overseas. Same thing, I had a client who just returned a couple of weeks ago from a three-week trip in Australia that I helped him organize. I took a tour when I was in Sydney with a tour provider out there who was fantastic. I linked him up with my, my tour provider and they had a great time. So what I love to be able to bring to my clients is the fact that what I'm recommending for them are places, generally speaking, where I have been, uh, hotels that I have stayed in, uh, one of the hotels in Sydney that I recommended for my client that he stayed and I stayed in myself two years ago, and he had a great time, uh, and that experiences that I have had, and that authenticity really resonates with travelers who are afraid of travel, who are very nervous. I mean, heck, I'm nervous every time I travel because I don't know what to expect. So if I can provide any kind of reassurance to my clients by saying, I've, I've been there. I know where you are as far as you know emotionally before you go. And I can help you because I know these people and I've experienced this myself that resonates a lot with my clients. Uh, so that's what I try to do for them. I try to plan a vacation for them exactly the same way that I would do it for myself.
0: Yeah, that's definitely top notch service there Sylvia. Uh, So what are your tips, Uh, you know, there might be someone who's listening and watching here, who is accessible traveler and they're they're just dreaming. They're just hoping, they're just wishing that someday they could travel like you Sylvia. Well, you've shifted both in the mental and the practical areas to make it possible. So walk us through those mental tips and also those practical tips.
1: Of course. So the mental really is the biggest hurdle, believe it or not. The logistics are you know—the logistics are easy peasy, but getting over that mental hurdle, there's a lot of fear. And I, I wrote in a blog post, uh, I think it was the one that I wrote not long ago about the most frequently asked questions I get as a solo female wheelchair traveler, is aren't you afraid to travel by yourself? I'm like, heck yeah, I'm afraid. I'm afraid every time I go out the door. So just because I've been to 44 countries, 29 of those countries I've been to on an electric scooter and 20 of those I've been to by myself. And I'm still afraid every time I go. But the thing is, is that getting over that fear, you have to start small. So anybody who has a disability, who's never traveled really away from home, I would say start small in that, just go to the next state if you're in the United States or go somewhere that's only a two or three hour drive away and stay in a hotel or take an accessible taxi to a restaurant for the first time. Uh, if you have a train service, whether it's Amtrak in the United States or one of the many rail services in Europe, make, just go on a train trip for the day. So see what that experience is like, because the unknown is the biggest source of fear. So once you've done it a few times, then you can kind of get that confidence under you to maybe make your first uh, plane flight. Uh, Flying is incredibly nerve-wracking for wheelchair users. Probably the the two biggest fears are worried about getting their equipment damaged. And there are things that you can do, a lot of steps that you can take that are available online for how to prevent wheelchair damage. That helps allay some people's fears. Uh, They don't know if they'll be able to use the lavatory. Again, there's a lot of information out there from bloggers like myself and many of my colleagues that provide tips for... Just basically, this is what you can expect. So helping people know what they're going to expect and starting out small are the biggest, uh, the first biggest tips that I can say is to educate yourself, go online, do the research from the awesome accessible travel bloggers that are out there. And the more you know and the more you know what to expect, then that helps alleviate those fears. And then finally, like I mentioned earlier during our conversation is to be flexible, Have have a positive attitude, and know that not everything is going to go according to plan. If you are a control freak like I am, you have to kind of figure out how to start letting some of that go. Because if you're prepared for things to go wrong, like I say, expect the worst and hope for the best. Then you're already thinking, you know, think about the solutions and not the problems. So, okay, I have a flat tire in my wheelchair. I brought a spare. Let's figure out how to do this. My battery died. Okay, let me have somebody help push me back to my hotel or to a cab. Let me consult the list of scooter providers or whatever in the local area that I prepared before I left because I read this blog post so they can provide me with a loaner or send somebody out to repair it in the morning. So, uh, things like that, having a positive attitude doing the research to prepare ahead of time, and starting out one step at a time. Those are probably the biggest tips that I can provide.
0: Yeah, those are some uh, rock solid tips. Just generally across the board, a lot of people have that mental barrier, I can't afford to travel. And of course, accessible travel, like I can't actually travel, but hey, you're living proof that you can Travel, and you have traveled and you continue to do so now helping others to do as well. Very inspiring. So my final question for you, Sylvia, is what is your vision for the future? You know, you've traveled quite a bit already, have this travel agency, this amazing travel blog. Would love to see your dreams, your vision, your goals for your future.
1: Well, I because I have multiple sclerosis and it is a progressive disease, I technically don't know how much longer I can travel. So I'm kind of trying to knock out the bucket list items right now as soon as like as quickly as I can. and I, I joke around with my family and my friends that I'm starting to run out of countries. Uh, however, accessibility is getting better every year. So once I discover that there's a country or a city, that either is accessible or has an accessible tour company, then I continue to reach out to them to to actually go. However, next year, uh, I wanna focus more on my travel agency and I wanna focus maybe more on the United States and reaching out to different tourism boards within the United States to help them promote their accessibility. For example, in mid-October, I'm spending three days in Charleston, South Carolina. It's about a six hour drive from where I live here in Florida. And I'm working with their tourism board to help promote the accessibility in Charleston, Uh, hoping to reach out to places like Savannah. And I also have another side blog. Uh, I haven't really promoted it too much. I only started it a few months ago, but now I have a second blog called Spin the Sunshine State. So I'm uh, Florida' is my home state I've lived here for most of my life. so I want to focus uh, when I'm home and not traveling as much abroad, focus on the accessibility of different communities and not just like Miami and Tampa and Orlando, but smaller places like you know St. Augustine or Fort Myers or the Keys and focus on accessibility because We have Disney World, we have amazing beaches, and Florida is really one of the top tourism destinations. And if I take a look at my blog posts and see my most popular blog posts, Florida beaches, Orlando, Miami are always at the top of the list. So uh, once the international travel gets too exhausting or I need to take a break, then I wanna start focusing more a little bit on my home state. But I will write as long as my, my hands allow me to, I will travel as long as my body lets me. And as my kids start to get a little bit older, I took them on a Disney cruise to the Bahamas over the summer. That was their first foreign country, their first cruise. And I was so privileged that I was able to do that with them. So my ultimate goal really as they get a little bit older is to start taking them around the world and introducing them to the wonder that is uh, international travel.
0: Yes, and as a dad of three, I definitely am super passionate about that goal as well. So. Uh... Thank you uh, for coming on to our show and uh, sharing all of your wealth, of ex- experience, and expertise. So if people want to connect with you, they might want to book a tour, they want, might want to ask follow-up questions. Um, how can they follow along and connect?
1: Sure, very easy. Uh, my blog, if you want to read more about accessible travel, spin, like spinning around, spintheglobe.net. And there's a link to my travel agency there, but the direct website is spintheglobetravel.net. Uh, I'm all over social media. There are links to my social media accounts on both of those websites, but you can find me on Instagram at Sylvia underscore Longmire. You can find me on Twitter at spin underscore the globe and on Facebook, spin the globe on wheels.
0: All right, nice and easy. So spintheglobe.net and I'll have the links below to uh, uh, the social media as well. So Sylvia, thanks for taking time out of your busy travel schedule to join us here on the podcast and enlightening and inspiring all of our guests to Also, be aware of accessible travel, and if you're an accessible traveler, spin the globe as well.
1: Thank you so much.
0: Thanks, Sylvia. And uh, thanks, everyone, for tuning into this very enlightening episode. Uh, Make sure you connect with Sylvia. I'll have the links below. Make sure you connect with us as well. We're DaddyBlogger.com. I will catch up with you guys in the next episode, where we teach you how to make money, how to travel the world. and.